tell you what you're listening to welcome to father simon says on relevant radio with father richard simon i'm here to answer your questions have a question give us a call 1-888-914-9149 that's any question you may have about the lord the faith and the church that's 1-888-914-9149 this is in fact a radio show called father simon says on relevant radio Oh, hopefully, yes, hopefully, hopefully it, well, the sun will shine at some point. Uh, I don't know if you caught that word, hopefully, but it's a good word. Is it raining well, where to, you are, Father Simon? Well, it, it is not raining at the moment. It rained heavily, which is nice because it kind of washed my car. But uh, Nothing was, like a free car wash. Nothing like, yes, a, a celestial car wash. Nature and the Lord washed my car. But um, I'm just thanking the Lord that this was rain. Five degrees cooler, it would have been snow, and oh, I would have been hunkered down. But at any rate, let's pray. Why should I? I why should I tell you my problems? Oi, let's pray in William the name of the sure, Father. Sure, right. well, yeah, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit; they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, you taught the hearts of the nations by the light of the Holy Spirit. By that same Spirit, may we all have right judgment in all things and evermore rejoice in his comfort through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. And Lord, while we got you on the line, I really want to ask you to, to, to intervene and, and to... to to rescue Father Michael, I believe his last name is Olafande. This is a friend of, of friends of mine who, who was kidnapped in Nigeria. Lord, we pray for the church in Nigeria, which is suffering so much, and send your angels to guard and protect, um, especially the, the clergy and sisters of, of, of Nigeria. We ask these things in Jesus' name, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, we're living in the age of martyrs. You know, I remember the nuns used to say, well, the age of martyrs is over. <laughs> no, it's not. This is the age of martyrs. And I really believe that for all of the difficulties we have in the church today, history, uh, unless the Lord comes soon, history will look back on this era as one of the great eras of Catholicism. Uh, for all of the difficulties, you know, the devil really is not happy with the church. And that's good. All right. Well, that said, let's go to the big book on the coffee table. It's going to be wonderfully obscure today. I have, we're still in the letter to the Hebrews, fifth chapter, first verse and following. This is, this is, oh, oh, this is going to be obscure. Every high priest is taken from among men. Now that word high priest, once, oh, oh let me look at the watch. I, I listen fast because I got a lot to say. Um, the word high priest here is archiheros, heroes, uh, that, that 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 word means us again let me back up the the word priest 
is developed or is descended from the Greek word presbyteros, which means elder. I was ordained to the sacrificerhood of Christ in the order of elder. The word sacrificer is is translated priest. The word presbyter is translated priest. They're two different words, and in the scripture they have two different meanings. Uh, uh, someone who is a a um, uh, a sacrificer, well, offers sacrifice, and every one of us is a sacrificer. When you were baptized, you were anointed with oil. And the word said over a child being anointed with that oil is Christ was anointed priest, prophet, and king. So may you live as a member of his body, sharing everlasting life. You are a sacrificer. St. Paul says, make of your bodies a living sacrifice uh, to God. Offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. We, we are people who offer sacrifice to God. These people say there's no more sacrifice. They just don't know how to read the Bible. You know, that 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 admittedly the sacrifices of atonement are are done our atonement is christ on the cross brought forward in the holy eucharist but we still offer sacrifice saint paul says make of your bodies a living sacrifice to god and there's also talk of the sacrifice of thanksgiving so sacrifices have not ended the sacrifices of atonement are no longer necessary the sin offerings all that sort of thing so you were ordained to the sacrifice of Christ in the order of the baptized. That means you make of your personal life a sacrifice. That wonderful prayer at the beginning of the day, Oh, Jesus, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings this day in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass, that, that we're sacrificial people. I was ordained to the sacrifice of Christ, of course, in my baptism, but then again in my ordination to holy orders. I was ordained to the sacrament, and the words, I, I, I quote, the words of the ceremony are ordained to the sacrificerhood of Christ in the order of elder. Of course, they use the the Latin words, I think it's a sacerdotio, I don't know what the Latin word is, and they translate it priest, ordained to the priesthood of Christ in the order of elder, and then that would be a presbyteros, the Greek word. Okay, all that said, that, that we have one, Archiheros. Archi, we get the word architect with the same, it means beginning or head or top. Uh, the, 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 the high priest in the temple was called the Hakoan Hagadol, the great priest. So Jesus is this great priest, but we share in his sacrificerhood. If you're going to understand the letter of the Hebrews, you just really need to understand that there are two words in Greek in the Greek New Testament that are unfortunately translated by only one word in English. And that one word is priest. There's the sacrificer and the elder. I am ordained. I, Richard T. Simon, by the grace of God and his mercy to a sinner, was ordained uh, to the sacrifice of Christ in the order of elder. I offer true sacrifice. Uh, and, and so this, I think, is is very, very important to understand this. All right. Every high sacrificer is taken from among man and made their representative before God. He's able to deal patiently with the ignorant and the erring, for he himself is beset by weakness. It's beautiful, lovely. So for this reason, he must make sin offerings for himself. No one takes his honor upon himself, but only when called by God. Um, in the same way, it was not Christ who glorified himself. 
I have talked to you about the Talmudic nature of the letter to the Hebrews. It is it is one of these precise word studies that that was developed in the Jewish uh, text of the Talmud. So that's why I call it proto-Talmudic. And I've said this, there is no, it's not possible in the eyes of an Orthodox Jew to be both priest and king, because kings come from uh, the tribe of Judah, priests come from the tribe of Levi, uh, so this priest-king Messiah is nonsense. Well, the author of the letter is pointing out to the, the priesthood of Melchizedek, uh, who was the, the, the king, priest-king of Salem. And he's saying that the sacrificerhood of Melchizedek was higher than the sacrificerhood of Levi and his descendants, Aaron and the Levites and the, the, the Cohens, the sacrificing uh, the sacrificers of, of Jewish and uh, Israelite temple practice. Why? Because Levi was in the loins of Jacob, who was still in the loins of Isaac, who was still in the loins of Abraham. In other words, Melchizedek ministered to Abraham, is superior thus to Abraham spiritually, and so the priesthood of the king Melchizedek, king of Jerusalem, was superior to the priesthood of Aaron. We don't think that way, but that is Talmudic thinking, and it's very precise. All right, now this, I kind of want to bang on this drum a little bit. In those days when he was in the flesh, he offered prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. So he learned obedience from what he suffered, and when he was made perfect. What? Jesus was made perfect? Well, let's back up here. In the days when he was in the flesh, he offered prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears. We think of the Garden of Gethsemane as this quiet bowing of the head. Not what I will, but what you will find. Loud cries and tears. Jesus was, I don't want to do this. I mean, loud cries and tears. Oh, Lord, whatever you want. No, he said that. He said, not my will, but your will. But he cried out to the Father and he wailed and wept. This is the text of scripture. I'm not making this stuff up. But he said, I don't want to do this. But if it's what you want. I mean, it to me, it makes it all the more beautiful and all the more sacrificial and all the more real. Now, moving on to this son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And when he was made perfect, you mean Jesus was not perfect? Yes, he was absolutely perfect the way we define perfection. For us, perfection is never being late with a credit card payment, always making sure your nails are properly clipped and your grass is properly cut and your children are are without any kind of flaw. Uh, So that's not what the word perfect means. Jesus is a divine person who is fully human and fully divine. He has he is 100% human and 100% divine. To us, that 200%, not in Jesus. Humanity and divinity are perfectly married in Christ. Uh, and and this, this word, uh, um, uh, perfection, what is it? Teleothes. What does it really mean? It means completed, consummated, accomplished. Telos in Greek is a word that means far. That's, we get the word telescope 
and that means something that helps you to look far away. Telephone helps you speak far away. Television makes you an idiot. I mean, uh, uh, makes you see things from far away. Um, this is this telos, and it has to do with the end goal. When the scripture says, be perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect. In other words, be perfect as, in other words, in the way that your Heavenly Father is perfect. What is the perfect perfection of God? What is the great purpose of God? Sacrificial love. That is the purpose of God. So when you read this, when he'd been made perfect, don't read it in English. Read it in Greek and Latin. The Latin word perfectus means the same thing. It means finished. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, he was he was. He was referring to this. Uh, um, let me look that up. It is finished. It's consummated. Uh, okay, I got it here. The the uh, uh, when Jesus had eaten that drunk drunk the 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 the, the posca the, the cheap wine, he said tetelestai. It's the same word telos. When Jesus was finally done. Jesus didn't need to be made perfect. He was fully human, but it was the perfect humanity of Adam. It wasn't the sinful humanity in which I live. It was the perfect humanity of Adam. And he said, when, when, he, when he bowed his head and died, he said, tetelestai. It's that word telos. So I think you have to retool what you mean by perfect. So uh, I, I, that's what's being said here. Now... Let's go to the gospel. This is, I love this stuff. I really do. Why do the John and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Oh, dear. I suppose I can go into a treatise on fasting. Oh, by the way, is it this Friday that we have the fast for life? We're encouraged to fast, do penance for life. Uh, um, you know, uh, in Thanksgiving for the progress that's been made to end abortion and to finally end abortion, to to make it illegal. It isn't illegal in this country. It's just in the in the in the province of the states. So we're we're I think I think it's this Friday, isn't it, dear voice in my head? I don't know. Well, at any rate, um, moving along here. Um, what's fasting about? Fasting is is it's I always say an exercise in freedom, and the devil hates our freedom. So that's that's why we fast. Now, um, what I really want to talk about, and I may be wrong about this. Well, I'll talk about that in the word of the day. Uh, but let me talk a little bit about more about. Oh, there you go. They take it with a grain of salt. Um, that'll be the word of the day. The unshrunken cloth. But um, <clears throat> it's something I don't even understand. So we'll work on it in the word of the day. But this idea of fasting, <clears throat> you know. I really learned this from an exorcist. A uh, very important prayer in exorcism is the creed, because one of the great tasks of an exorcist is to is to fight with the devil, to, to get the devil off the afflicted person so that that afflicted person can express his own freedom. You know, the devil has a person bound up. Scripture talks about that, just tied up in knots and the job of the exorcist is to help that person get free. And the creed is very important in this because you're saying, I believe one God. You're not saying you're of the opinion that God exists. You're saying, I trust in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And 
you get the person who's afflicted to exercise their free will to trust in God. And it's all about freedom. And that's what fasting's about. Freedom is an exercise in fasting. The world thinks freedom is getting what you want and doing what you want. That's not. That's usually slavery. It's slavery to our passions, our addictions, our preferences, our weaknesses. But when I can say to myself, I would like this thing, but no, it's not good for me. It's not good for the world. I'm not going to indulge in it. That's freedom. That's true freedom. And when we fast, we are exercising freedom. I could eat that cake. I'm not going to. I could eat this. I'm not going to. I could eat meat out today, but it's Friday, so I'm not going to. It's an exercise in freedom. And freedom is essential in the Christian life because without freedom, there can be no love. If I have to love you, I can't love you. If I'm forced to love you, well, we have names for that, and it's a crime. If I'm forced to love you, I can't love you. I'm a, I can only love you if I have true freedom. And in fasting, we exercise freedom. And the world knows we are supposed to be free men and women living in a world of slaves. And they don't know that and they don't think it, but it's true. So fasting is good. Uh, to fast and abstain is a good thing. And I, I'm delighted to see it coming back in into the, the, the life of the church. You know, when I was a kid, we we stopped fasting and you know we didn't have to do that anymore well yes we did so all right well we're going to go to a break we'll come back with some letters and um uh, you can call in at 888-914-9149 888-914-9149 oh it's a great old song 500 miles If you are in the market for health insurance, our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is here to help you and your family find the most cost-effective health plan. Learn more at relevantradio.com slash forester. Well, let's go to, uh, uh, let's go to, uh, one of those things, letters. A while ago, we had a caller call in about, um, uh, her goddaughter, I think it was a she, um, who was going to cut off all her hair. And I said, well, she was potentially looking for attention, something that worked for me as a dentist once, <laughs> uh, a mother asked me to tell her daughter to take the tongue stud and nose ring out, but I assured her, I assured the mother her daughter would not listen to me. The next day, the mother called and said, what did you say to my daughter? She took the stud and the ring out. I simply told the mother that I complimented her daughter. You have some of the prettiest blue eyes. But your nose ring and tongue stud distract from your natural beauty as if a piece of metal was prettier than your eyes. It worked every time. So maybe you could say, oh, she has such beautiful hair. You know, it is an interesting time in which people are trying so hard. I wonder why that is. People, young people especially, are trying so hard to be unique. And uh, my generation is still trying to be unique. Whenever I see an old guy with a ponytail, I, I think, hmm. Now, some people, it works for. 
But when you're bald and you have a ponytail that's that's kind of a scraggly remnant, nah, not so much. Now, some people, I must admit, being an aging hippie myself, I could never get my hair past my ears because it itched. But And then I got religion. But, oh, well, I just thought that was interesting. And then we're moving on. We're moving on. All right. Uh, oh, this is this is a great fun one. Um, this is from Frank in Los Angeles. Your comments on a recent show about liking German oompa music reminded of an old movie starring Glenn Ford, The Lust for Gold. The movie is otherwise forgettable, except for a scene in which Ford, after making uh, finding a hidden treasure, sings "Do Do Leaks Mir and Herzen." A uh, song in a Western bar while holding a beer stein. Okay. Uh, that is one of my favorite German songs. Du, du liegst mir in Herzen. Du, du liegst mir in Sinn. Du, du gibst mir für Schmerzen. Weiß nicht, wie gut ich dir bin. Ja, 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 ja. And the words to that are, you, you lay in my heart. You lay in my mind. You give me lots of pains. You don't know how good I'm for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't know how good I'm for you. German is just romantic. So uh, that has nothing to do with anything. Let's move on. Okay. Ah, this is a good one. This has to do with religion, finally. This is from Dan. Uh, and, and he asks, can an ordination of a priest or deacon ever be declared invalid or null? In other words, is there ever a declaration of nullity for an ordination like sometimes happens for a putative marriage? A putative marriage is one that's thought to be marriage but isn't. But um, yes, there is. We have had many cases recently. I don't know about many, but we had one famous one. Uh, and uh, I bet there's a whole lot more out there. Cases of people who were invalidly baptized by 60s uh, and 70s uh, uh, interesting people. I myself was in a parish where I... I, I was I, it, it was horrible. I was not welcome to um, offer the main mass. They had their own priest who never called God Father or Lord because those are just unacceptable terms. Um, but um, and my my superior at the time, my dean, was all for their approach, and so I had my hands tied. And they baptized people in the name of the Father, Mother, Son, and Spirit, or the Mother, Daughter, Spirit, or the the Father, da Father, Mother, Daughter. And the four winds, you know, and uh, the four directions if they were Native American. They did wonderful. And, you know, of course, there was always the Creator, uh, Redeemer, Sanctifier. Um, all those baptisms were invalid. The the grace wasn't conferred, uh, you know, that, that I finally uh, couldn't take it anymore. And I said, I, I don't care. They can send me to the Arctic Circle, but I can't endure this anymore. You may not baptize in the name, uh, uh, in the name of the, uh, you must use the words used by the church in baptisms, because you may, you may have made your decision of conscience, and how wonderful, but you can't make my decision of conscience, and I have to sign a paper that says this child was baptized according to the right of the Roman Catholic Church, not the right of the nine o'clock liturgy committee, and oh, they spent a year trying to have me removed for that. It was a battle royal. And uh, instead of being there for 12 years, I was there for 20. So the Lord, the Lord let them know. But um, oh, I guess I'm just reminiscing like an old man about the battles. But uh, um, this poor priest was looking at a video of his of his baptism, and he realized he was invalidly baptized. 
Thus, all of the other sacraments he had received were invalid. Uh, he may have had the Holy Eucharist, but he didn't get the grace of communion. He, he, he hadn't been to a valid confession all his life. Uh, and his ordination was not valid. Baptism is the gateway to all the other sacraments. And if you're baptized invalidly, well, trouble. So he was rebaptized, reconfirmed, and reordained quickly. Uh, now, you mean all the sacraments I got from him were invalid? No, none of them were invalid. I, well, the Eucharist would have been. Uh, he had never said a Mass, uh, but you wouldn't be blamed for that. Uh, you may not have received the body and blood of Christ from him before he was validly baptized, um, but uh, you got the grace of the sacrament, and you got the grace of uh, the sacrament of confession uh, because of your intention. If you were married by a priest or a deacon who was uh, uh, invalidly ordained, you were still married because we believe that the bride and groom are the ministers of the sacrament. We believe that in the Latin church. So the ministers of the sacrament, being the bride and groom, you were validly ordained. And anyone can validly baptize. I, 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 so uh, you know, that oh, that is an interesting question. Can someone who's not baptized baptize? I think so. Uh, hmm, if there is a canonist or a, a theologian who knows better than I do. That is an interesting question. Can a person who is not validly baptized validly baptize another person? That's interesting. That's very interesting. Um, that that question also would affect Reformation theology because uh, the Anabaptists, the ones who believed only in adult baptism by immersion, all rebaptized themselves. There was one person who had to start that chain of baptisms. Ah, I'm just thinking obscurely. But yes, the thing is, there can be a declaration of nullity. Now, marriage nullity is is um, is about a defect of form, and annulment is a is a defect of intention and freedom. But uh, it's much more complicated uh, to judge a valid marriage because. Uh, there's so many, shall we say, working parts, as anyone who's married knows. Okay, I don't know if that confused anyone or helped anyone, but yeah. Uh, um, if a person is not validly baptized, they cannot receive a valid ordination to priesthood or diaconate or episcopate. Okay, moving along. Isn't that interesting? Let's see here. I think I talked about this one, the idea of being born again. Okay. Oh, we got to get the phones are open and we got I got to pull up that screen too. We'll do that in the break. But um uh 888-914-9149. We got a lot of lines open. 888-914-9149. You are welcome to call in and ask any question you may have about the Lord of the Faith Church and the big book on the coffee table, the Bible. Um <clears throat> Well, this is interesting. Uh uh could the Tower of Babel, uh, the, 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 why are there so many different nationalities? Could the Tower of Babel be the reason? Well, yes, yes. Now, uh, I don't know if the Tower of Babel is literal or symbolic or a parable. I take it as literal because um, I wasn't there. So in order to understand the meaning of the text, I take it as being literal. I, I don't know if this is a parable, but... The point of it is that at one point, all human beings spoke the same language. This is absolutely true. And then people began to speak other languages. How did this happen? 
Well, God struck their language. God, God, they had decided that they would make a, a tower to reach heaven without the grace of God. And so God struck them and confused their languages. This may be a parable for the human, the human endeavor that we have become divided and thus cannot create this perfect world. So many people want to do that, uh, create one government, one world, one everything. And it doesn't happen. Why doesn't it happen? And one of the big reasons is language. You know, language is, is kind of my favorite thing you may have noticed. I used to tell my students about the time and alcohol principle of language development. Time does for language over the long run what alcohol does for it over the short run. It slurs it. And um, how does how do you get Italian out of Latin? Well, uh, um, well, let's do Spanish. Spanish is so much fun. Hijo. H-I-J-O. The H is not pronounced. The J is pronounced like an H. Hijo. That means son. It is from the Latin word filius. Well, how do you get the word hijo from filius? Well, the S drops off on filio. The U becomes an ophilio. The I-O, the L-I becomes a J. When you say filio real fast, or <laughs> after a couple beers, you say fijo. So, the F becomes an H, hijo. And the word H-I-J-O used to be pronounced, and it's still pronounced by uh, Spanish-speaking Jews as hijo. So you can see filius, filius, fijo, hijo, hijo. That's how language happens. Now, ethnicity is the product of language, not of race. If you're going to call it race, race is the product of language. What do you mean, the private language? Yes. Generally speaking, you marry someone you can talk to, even if after a while you don't talk much, which is a terrible thing to come to. But you marry someone to whom you can speak. And pretty soon you get a closed pool of people. It's called a gene pool. They can talk to each other. They have a tendency to marry one another. And they have children together. This is why people in a given area tend to look alike. Their eyes look like that. Their skin color looks like this. Because they have been talking to each other and marrying each other and having children for thousands of years. Uh, until the modern era, people didn't go anywhere. It was a rare person who went more than five miles from the town in which they were born. Um, I have, in Germany, I have people who are related to me on my father's side of the family and my mother's side of the family. And that was, those villages were, those towns were five miles apart. Those were long distance romances, actually. But it's a very small gene pool. I remember the first time I went to visit my relatives in Germany. I looked at them and they all looked like my cousins in Detroit. That's because they had the same genes as my cousins in Detroit. And that's because they spoke the same language. So language is the mother of race. And I don't even like to use that word. Language is the mother of ethnicity. So the story of the Tower of Babel is what created different nationalities, different ethnicities, different races. Because people, when they stop speaking a common language, divided into different groups. I think that's fascinating. The history of language is a marvel. So that said, we're going to go to a break. We're going to come back with a, a very linguistic word of the day. And um, 
Uh, it's going to be kind of a tough one. 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. We will be back, God willing. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, provides a rigorous liberal arts education that forms the whole person for wisdom, truth, and virtue. Learn more about The Catholic University for independent thinkers at relevantradio.com forward slash Dallas. Well, if you want to sing out, sing out. And if you want to be free, be free. Because there's a million things to be. You know that there are. And if you want to live no. high, live high. And if Good old Cat Stevens, who, what's his name now? Muhammad Joseph? Yusuf, Yusuf Muhammad or Muhammad Yusuf, and he wishes he could, could uh, do away with all his old songs? Neener, neener. <laughs> he can't. And some of them are pretty good. All right, let's go to the word of the day. In the gospel today, we have a quandary, a conundrum, a, a, a problem. Uh, this idea of new wine into old wineskins. Uh, um, no, new wine is poured into fresh wineskins. Well, that's a good translation, fresh. There are two words in Greek for new, and I would like to say I understand them perfectly, which I don't. However, in all three of the versions of this this saying, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the wine is oinon neon, neon, neon. Uh, like a neologism, that N-E-O, that means new. And you pour it into askus kainus. An askus is a wineskin, but kainos means means new also. But there's a difference between neon and kainos. Neon is new in terms of time. Kainos is new in terms of quality. And the the wine is recently made the the wine skins are fresh they are supple they are renewed when jesus says at the last supper this is the blood of the new covenant it's the kaine diatheki it it's the it's the new in terms of quality covenant it isn't new in terms of existence it is the covenant with israel renewed, refreshed, and fulfilled. Now, I have a kind of harebrained theory that I bet is wrong. <laughs> but the only place where you have the phrase new wine, neon, neon oinon, here is, um, or neos oinos, this is the only place it's mentioned. And everything's new wine this, new wine that, you know. And in the Gospel of Luke, it's very interesting because he points out, you know, but when people have tasted uh, the old wine, they say that, well, uh, they prefer, no one desires new wine having tasted the old wine. They say that the old is, and the word they use is Christos, and that's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, Christotis. It means, it, it can be translated kindness, but it means usefulness, or, you know, this is good stuff. Don't throw that out. <laughs> um that's that's interesting to me, and I'm wondering. He's saying this. We read in 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 the text 
that he's saying this in reference to the fasting practices of the Pharisees. I'm wondering if the Pharisees aren't the new wine. They were an innovation. The traditional religion of Israel revolved around the temple. The Sadducees controlled the temple, and they were the ones who strictly adhered, according to most scholars, uh, Orthodox Jews would not agree with this, but most scholars would say this is true, that the Sadducees were the ones who obeyed the purity laws scrupulously. Uh, the rank-and-file Israelite basically kept the dietary law, but you know they weren't as scrupulous about things. Uh, so the Pharisees believed that every Israelite, every Jew, was bound to the, the, the strictest possible uh, observance of the law. In other words, they were including every Israelite in the worship of the temple, not just the priestly classes. And then they thought of ways around the difficult strictures. So in a sense, Phariseeism was an innovation. Now, Pharisees would not admit to that. But in a, you know, that Jesus was renewing the covenant that had been made with Adam, with Abraham, with Noah, with Moses, <laughs> with David. He's, he is fulfilling this covenant. So I'm wondering if the, this can't be read the other way. This is just a harebrained theory on my part, and I, I, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm right at all. But it is interesting that that phrase always has bothered me. But people prefer the, they, they say that the, the old wine is, well, it's, it's more useful. It's better. That's because Jesus renews. He makes fresh the covenant with Israel. And what he's doing isn't new. It is renewed, which is different. I, it's just, I'm just thinking out loud here. Well, thinking out loud, let's go to phone calls. The phone is ringing. I, I notice. We have Father Joe. Father Joe from from uh, Bayhead, New Jersey. Hey. I'm honored Hi, to listen. Oh, for an old fellow, yeah. I'm all right. <laughs> no, I get a lot of good stuff from you. Very well, good. Thank I use you. a lot. Well, it's um, stuff I've stolen yeah. from other people, but go on. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm doing it again. Good. Anyway, um, you can validly baptize, even if you're not Christian, in an emergency. You have to, like a nurse in a hospital, they don't even have to be a believer, but they ah. have to have the right intention. And ah. so the right intention is the intention of the Phew. church. and. Nurses used to be trained to baptize if an infant oh, was that. dying. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. So, so, yeah, they can baptize in an emergency. If it's not an emergency, um, I don't think they can. I don't think it invalidates it, but it should not be done. Yeah. Well, this, this, ordinary this is a relief because I'm thinking of that example of one of our confreres who was invalidly baptized, clearly invalidly baptized. And would that have invalidated all the sacraments of the people whom he baptized? And the answer is no, it would not have. That's That, I'm sure, is a relief. So if anybody's worried that the priest who baptized them was invalidly baptized, and so you're not validly baptized, don't worry about it. You were validly baptized if the intention of the priest baptizing you was what the Church intends, and the formula was the one the Church uses. Thank you, Father Joe. God bless you. They, yeah. You've relieved a number of people, including me. So, good. good. So, well, God bless you. And how are things going? All right? Thank things you. are good? Yep. Yep. Just good. trying to 
stay above the above water. Above water, God bless going you. On, everybody mm-hmm. going on, all that's going on in the world, especially oh, in the church and in the political scene is just, I don't know how anybody's not overwhelmed. Yeah, well, Grace, that's the only thing I can think of. Grace, and well, and listening to yeah, relevant radio doesn't is. hurt. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it, it is. Yeah, well, it, it is. It is, and it is kind of fun. It's kind of like a, a big parish for everybody, and you know, we can hash these things out. Yeah, the world has gone crazy. It's like you know, virtue signaling and and political correctness are the enemies of free speech, and you, you, it's just so crazy. And, um, you yeah. know, freedom is big for us. Well, thanks for listening, Father John. Thanks for your answer. I'm honored that you're listening. God bless. And keep me in your prayers. Thank and, you. And, uh, God I'm bless sure you. you're praying yep. for those poor guys in Nigeria. God bless them. All right. Well, God bless. Let us go to Pat, uh, who's mm-hmm. calling in from Tomahawk, Wisconsin, just north of the Cheddar Curtain. Well, Tomahawk's pretty far north, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's, it gets cold up there, doesn't it? It is. Yes. It does. Yeah. So what can I do for you, Pat? Okay. I was given a subscription to a magazine that provides like a daily inspiration mm-hmm. and it's positive. Um, the name of it is Daily Word and it's published by Unity, a Unity publication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, it's not Catholic, but no. it's very positive. The only concern I have is that... Um, I know that the Holy Spirit lives in us, but sometimes I think that they give more power to the individual than, um, than, so I have a little bit of concern about that, but the overall thing about it is that it really, it really does encourage towards kindness, whether you feel like Mm, it or not, or, you know, fairness, all of that. And so I just wondered, is it wrong for me to read it? Uh, I think the person that gave it to me. Yeah. You sound like someone who has some good, some good religious background that you know that you know your faith. So if you recognize, um, uh, if you recognize the the drawbacks, yeah. But you're right about unity. Unity Ministries, uh, Unity Ministry, the Unity Church is is a kind of really self help group. It 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 isn't. Uh, they talk about it as being spiritual but not religious. And I always point out that okay. the devil is very spiritual. He's a pure spirit, and and uh, we're we're spiritual and we're religious. There's a virtue of religion, but unity uh, is just trying to. It, it, the The basic teaching is that um, uh, uh, human beings are divine at their core. We would say we're made in the image yeah. and the likeness of God, but the unity movement right. thinks that we're actually divine, and they talk about the one great power. You know, so they're they're not really Christians. Uh, we they 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 believe that in the teachings of Jesus Christ, but I don't think they believe in, in, in a real Trinity. I'm not sure. I'd have to I'd have to look. God is a spiritual energy. Now we believe that God is is three persons in one divine being, and our religion is very personal. There's this kind of cosmic force stuff, as I understand it. So. Yeah, take take all that with a big, big grain of salt. Unity Church uh, believes in the divinity of Jesus, but they also believe that in the divi- in your divinity, in a sense. So they they don't quite. They talk about Jesus being the Son of God, but I don't 
I suspect they don't quite mean what we mean by it, the only begotten Son of God. So it really is more about uh, living a good life on your own steam. As I've known people in the Unity Church, and it has some wonderful goals, but it, it, isn't, it isn't quite what we believe. Does that help a little? It certainly, certainly does, because it definitely, like, as far as inspiring a person to not hold anger, you know, to forgive sure. immediately, it's, things like yes. that, it's very good at, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. But for us, the faith is about an intimate relationship with God through the person oh, of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes, so they're, I do they're, about, they're about the teachings of Jesus, which that's beautiful. But we're about the teachings of Jesus and Jesus. For us, Jesus himself, I said this last week, Jesus himself is the gospel. He's the good news that you can know, love, and serve God by getting to know him. So so it's, that's a little different fine-tuning. So... Um, I, I hope that helps, and, and uh, you sound like it you've does. got good sense and can see what's good in it and take the good and Thank you. forget the bad. And if you've got any questions, call again. I'm happy to talk to you. I will. All right. God Thank bless. You. So good to hear you. I'm honored that you listen. All right. God bless. Thanks so much, Pat. Let us go now to David from Rochester, Pennsylvania. David, are you with us? Yes, sir. How are you doing? Pretty good. What can I do for you? Well, Father, i got a question for you. This is an odd one. Um, something different for once. You know what? I was, um, I bought a house, I renovated it, and we did the front yard. When we was working on the front yard, we had to do a lot of digging to get to the water lines. Okay? Mm-hmm. We were doing digging down there, and bam, I ran into a marble-built altar and a very large statue My. of St. Francis. My goodness. And the statue was about three feet. In, uh, we, had, we was done digging for this thing. It was seven feet down on the ground. Okay. Wow. Why was it there? I don't it know. Built, I don't know. It was built with a house. I thought maybe, is there some, well, some reason they would put a St. Francis statue in the ground like that? You're sure it was St. Francis, not St. Joseph? Yeah. No, it was St. Francis. Yeah, you know, I, the, the, the St. Joseph statue, that custom has become kind of, it's a more modern thing. That is intriguing. Who would have hidden a statue? Now, you say like five, six, seven feet down, huh? Yeah, yeah, and the statue's probably about three and a half feet tall. It's three and a half marble. feet. Wow, I it's hope you marble. kept it and cleaned yeah. it up. Oh yeah. Well I took it to our I took it to our local parish. I took it up there and, and actually give it to them, they they keep it up there. I have no idea. You don't have any idea of the date of this statue? No, they well um, it, it it had nothing on it. Um we we know that um I, one of the owners of the property who had who had lived there previous was actually worked with marble. We, we, we huh. found that out. But but um, the actual stat, the house, it, it was built with a house. Um, we, huh. we know that for sure. Um, so it was around the turn of the century. I wonder if they hid the statue because of of something anti-Catholic or or uh, uh, if if uh, that's utterly intriguing. I have no idea. I know of no custom in the church at any time in its history that would talk about the burying of statues except to hide them from anti-Catholics. In Spain, they were always digging up statues that they'd hidden from the invaders, uh, the non-Christian invaders uh, uh, in the Middle Ages. And they found marvelous statues that were always, always attributed, to which were always attributed miraculous powers. But 
from 1900, I cannot imagine uh, why they would have buried that. Wow. Well, if I, uh, David, if I can, if I, if anybody calls in with an answer or I find an answer, I will mention it on the show. But boy, that is, that is a mystery. Well, I'm, I'm glad you found the statue and it's in a, a good place. Well, and God bless you for listening. Let's go to Al. Al from Evansville, Indiana. Boy, that's a mystery. Hey. Al, what can I do for you? <laughs> hey, how are you? Hey, um, question regarding baptism, okay? Uh, yes. When a priest or somebody else baptizes us, and they say that they're doing that in persona Jesus, are they really actually doing that in persona John the Baptist? Because John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but someone greater than I will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And then after we die and go to purgatory, that's where Jesus will actually baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Well, no, we old Pentecostals talk about baptism in the Holy Spirit. you got to understand the word baptism is a very general word. I was talking about this yesterday. It was in the, in the reading that, that uh, the word baptism was a very common word in Greek. We think of it as, as a, a religious ritual. They didn't think of it as a religious ritual. It simply means to dunk. To, if they yeah. if they'd had coffee and donuts in Greece, they would have baptized the donuts. A person who was grieving was said to be baptized in tears. A person who was drunk was said to be baptized in wine. It was just a common word. So John is saying, take the word baptize out. I'm dunking you in water. Someone's going to dunk you in the Holy Spirit. Now, I was very tempted to make the word of the day pneuma, which means spirit. We translate it as spirit. Everyone has the Holy Spirit is. We just call him the Holy Ghost. He looks like a he looks like a pigeon and or a fire. Nonsense. We don't worship a pigeon or a flame. The the holy the word pneuma in Greek means breath. When you put your hand in the holy water fountain, you're saying in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Breath. What in the name of sweet heavenly glory does that mean? That where there's breath, there's life. That there are three yeah. persons in the Trinity, and the, the 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 breath, the living presence of God, is so real that it's a presence. So uh, it's a person. Uh, a person is someone with whom you can converse. Uh, uh, the word personare means to make a sound, and 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 the Holy Spirit is a you know a, a real person. We you know we can. We converse with Jesus, the Son of God. He's the guy with the short brown beard. Then the Father, he's the guy with the long white beard. But we never talk to the Holy Spirit, but we should. We should cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And to be dunked in the, in the, in the, in the breath of God is to live in a world that is filled with the divine presence. You know, the Holy Spirit is not the experience of God's presence, but the experience of God's presence is given us by that holy breath. You know, the the Holy Spirit is the first person of the Trinity that you meet. You wouldn't be able to recognize Jesus, and you wouldn't sense Jesus as a living being if not for the Holy Spirit. So, no, we are, we are baptized in the Holy Spirit by Jesus and 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 by the Holy Spirit himself, by and by the Father. You know that our baptism is is a sacramental introduction to the life of grace. But this this being dunked in the presence of God, being dunked in the Holy Spirit is an ongoing reality in the Christian life. As is Drew Mariani, who's an ongoing reality at least in my Christian life. Stay tuned and experience the Divine Mercy Chaplet. <laughs> 